On this episode of Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy, we'll hear from Mr. Scott Mounts, motivational speaker and author of Leading from the Middle. Hi everyone and welcome to Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Weber, Chief Pharmacy Officer and Administrator of Pharmacy Services at The Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. Powered by the Ohio State University Lachalet Leadership Program, this show is designed to keep current and aspiring health system pharmacy leaders up to date with issues, trends, and best practices affecting our profession. You can learn more about the Lashley Leadership Program and the Ohio State University's College of Pharmacy MS in Health System Pharmacy Administration and Leadership by visiting go.osu.edu forward slash pharmacy leadership. That's go.osu.edu forward slash pharmacy leadership. Scott Mounts is a popular keynote speaker, trainer, and three-time award-winning author, including the number one best-selling book that we'll talk about, Leading from the Middle. He's a former Procter & Gamble senior executive who successfully ran several of the company's largest multi-billion dollar businesses. Scott is also a faculty member at Indiana University's Kelly School of Business for Executive Education, and he has been named a CEO thought leader by the Chief Executives Guild and a top 50 leadership innovator by Inc.com, where his column drew nearly 2 million monthly readers. Scott frequently appears in a variety of national media, and we are very privileged to have him on the show. So I'm here today with uh, leading author Scott Mount, who's published a book called Leading from the Middle, and I'm really excited to have Scott on the show. Welcome to the show, Scott. Thanks so much, Bob. I, I have pharmacy in my background and in my heart, so I'm glad to be able to be here. <laughs> awesome. We are really, really glad that you're here. You know, I, I bought this book, and, and it, it took me about a, it's a very easy read for our listeners. It, it's a very, very easy read. You can get it through Amazon. And uh, I read it over a weekend, and, and, and as I read it, I was just really inspired by, number one, the amount of material that was so useful in here. Uh, and so it's a book chock full of information, and it's a, kind of a resource that we can all use when, because all of us are in these m- sort of middle management positions. But, but what inspired you to write this book? Well, you know, Bob, the best way I can put it is I felt like a love letter to the middle of the organization needed to be written by somebody. Right. So, right. so you know, so so why not me? And, and for your listeners, by the way, just in case if they think, well, okay, middle manager, maybe I'm too high to be considered that or too low in, you know, in the hierarchy to be considered that. A middle manager is anybody who has a boss and is a boss or aspires to be a boss someday and has to lead up, down, and across their organization to do their right. job effectively, which, as you and I were describing and talking before, that is pharmacy directors. So, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you know, I just felt like um, it was such an unmet need that leading from the middle, it's such a unique dynamic, Bob. It requires such a unique skill set. And plenty of authors write books for CEOs. Plenty of authors write books for people who just started in the job and then their first 90 days. And right. How to get off to a fast start. And there's just 
huge swath of people in the middle that are should embrace the title of middle manager because most of us are. And oh, there's, yeah, you know, absolutely. just, you know, people shying away from wanting to write about it. And so I just saw a huge unmet need and it just really drove me to try to fill that need in the best way I could. Wow. Yeah. Uh, again, you, you, yeah, yeah, as we were talking before the podcast, a chief pharmacy officer, which is my position, I am, uh, I am two, three layers down from the pre- four layers down from the president of the university. However, I, uh, there's three or four layers below me, so I am truly in the middle, and, but I'm dealing with the chief medical officer, the chief financial officer, chief nursing officer, and so the management dynamics with each of those is really, really different. And uh, as I read your book, Scott, I, I was really impressed with chapter four, which is titled Leading Your Boss. And I always um, talk to my residents about the importance of the relationship with your boss. So maybe you can take a few minutes and, you know, as we sort of further explore how to lead our boss, bosses, uh, plural, because that, you know, that may be an issue too. You may have more than one boss in a matrix organization, for example. Why is the relationship with the boss so critical? You know what, Bob? Research shows us that on average, by far, the number one factor that an employee leaves an organization is because of a poor relationship with their boss. Right. So right. You, you could start from a place of, okay, it's, it's necessary for retention, number mm-hmm. one. Second, we also know from our research that the number one place that people derive meaning, happiness, and fulfillment from their job is directly related to their boss and the way their boss makes them feel at work. So this is more than just the obvious, Bob, where you're like, well, yeah, of course you have to, the relationship with your boss is important because, you know, you want to make the most amount of money you can. You want to get the most accolades you can. You want to get promoted as fast as you can. And that all of that is true. But I think people underestimate just how fundamentally ingrained in our happiness and fulfillment in the professional space, our relationship with our boss really is. And the truth, most of us, don't really know how to manage that relationship that well. We throw caution to the wind and say, you know, I'm just going to do what I do, do what I've always done and hope that it works out. And, and there's, there's a better way. There's a better way. Right. And, and we'll explore some of those ways in this podcast. I, I always tell my residents that if your boss sends you an email, you always respond. Would you agree with that? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it's, I think it's right. And I think it, uh, there are certain parameters you have to place, you know, around that. It depends sure. on, okay, well, when does the boss send the, the email? You know, I don't, sure, I, don't re- sure. I don't recommend responding at 2 a.m. immediately. Sure, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. No, I guess more of a general comment on my part. Um, yeah, but I, I think it's accurate. It's just the professional respect that you have to show. And especially, you know, and we'll talk more about this in, in a bit, but if you set the relationship and the boundaries up appropriately, Right. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of basic respect showing when you, you know, you should be able to respond when the boss does ask it because there's a darn right. good reason. It's for a good reason. Right. Yeah. It's I, I do a little test with with the residents when they're when they're hired on and matched as residents. I, I send them a note congratulating them, you know, congratulations for coming to the medical center. And uh, I get some responses and some I don't. And uh, I just I 
I just tell them, you know, depending on the, the email, depending on the relationship you have with your boss, it's always a good thing to respond to your boss when you, when, when you get an email. So, um, so the boss is very important, and, and I would absolutely agree with that. Why is leading the boss or why is managing the boss important? Yeah, because in the end, Bob, you want to have as much control over the nature of the relationship as you possibly can, right? And, you know, uh, I, I have come across well-meaning, you know, pharmacy directors even, yeah. um, not, not just, you know, not just in the corporate world, pharmacy directors, you know, I've come across well-meaning that believe that, you know, okay, I can do my job effectively by ignoring my boss. As long no as way. I manage my peers, as long as I manage those that report to me, um, mm -hmm. you know, I don't like my boss, we don't get along, we don't have the same point of view, Right. I can effectively ignore them and minimize their impact in my, you know, in my life. And that is a real, real mistake. And again, we'll oh. talk more about this in a minute, but that ignores the very nature of the boss subordinate relationship. So. <laughs> exactly. And, and, in the, and that's actually a, a really good point because every now and again, I will hear from colleagues that have a bad relationship with their boss that they're just kind of working in spite of their boss and i said well isn't that isn't that going to be a problem in the long run and generally scott it's a problem for them in the long run there's some issue that happens in the organization where they need support from the boss and they don't have it because they as you said they don't have that relationship so it's, it's very very that's a really really good point so in your in your chapter leading the boss you you talk about the managing up staircase and what, what were your thoughts as you were developing that managing up staircase and maybe you could describe some of the steps of the staircase uh to the audience yeah for sure so what i can do is you know the, the book is based on intense uh research not, not only three decades of experience but intense right, research right. with over three thousand successful middle managers where we were looking for themes and patterns of uh, for those that said I feel like I have an effective relationship with my boss. I can lead them. I know how to manage my boss. What were the themes? Were there patterns? And we found a very clear pattern of six steps, what I call the managing up staircase. So what I thought I would do, Bob, is very quickly touch on each step, and then we can go sure. deeper on the, on the most important steps. Sure. And I, I can promise your listeners, Bob, I promise, if they do nothing other than jot down these six steps and practice them uh, when, you know, as, as much as they possibly can. If they do just nothing other than these six steps, I promise you, you will improve your relationship with your boss almost overnight. Oh, here's, those, here's those six steps, and I'll hit each one very quickly first, and then we'll okay. dive deeper. The first step is what I call in, in the book, Leading from the Middle, nature before nurture, mm -hmm. which means you have to understand the nature of the boss-subordinate relationship before you can nurture it and make it stronger. And that is, and this is, this is really important, remember that the boss-subordinate relationship is effectively interdependence between two imperfect human beings. Right, right. Let me just pause just for a second there because interdependence is the first and most important thing. You can never convince yourself that you don't need your boss. And they can never convince themselves that they don't need their employees, number one. And second, they are imperfect, period. Right. So are you. And right. If you're a boss, I promise you, you're imperfect. I promise you, there's nights when people are talking about you at the dinner table, just like you talk about your boss at the dinner table. Absolutely. Starting with that basic understanding 
can diffuse so much tension in the relationship because it's empathy based. The second step is you have to understand what's asked of you, being so clear on expectations. And we'll come back to this one, but you know, I, I wanted to let you know that in doing research for Leading from the Middle, uh, we're now up to over uh, almost 300 pairs of bosses and subordinates where we interviewed them and asked them before we dove deep on the interview, are you clear on what you expect from your boss and vice versa? Dear boss, are you clear on what your employees expect from you? And you know, the vast majority of the times, 100% clear, ready to go, let's get into this interview. By the time the interview was done, Bob, we found in over 80% of the cases, there were material breaches in understanding. No, really? Basic, basic expectations. Oh my goodness. And it just proved uh, what broader coaching science teaches us, which is you are not as clear on expectations as you think you are with your boss. And we'll come back to that and talk that. The third step is style awareness. And you know what? I, I would love to be able to tell your listeners style doesn't matter. And I think it would be naive because it does matter. And you have to understand your boss's style, but on specific things. And when you are aware of style and specific elements and specific aspects, and you can manage according to that style, it's very, very helpful. We'll come back to that. Step four. Yeah, yeah. Real quick. I'm sorry. Sure. Yeah. It just brings up something for me. I had a boss once who I knew that if he gave me a project that I was to turn it around almost like pretty quickly. But but he never gave me any he never gave me any clear deadlines. But if I didn't turn it around within like a very short period of time, he would be asking me the status of a project. Is that well, so, I'm assuming that's a, a case of unclear expectations, correct? Absolutely. Unclear expectations of not being clear what the boss really needs and then getting a chance to manage those expectations. Okay, okay. We'll, sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no worries. And I'll give a very specific tool that you, you can use to manage that when we go back to step two. Yeah, no, no worries at all, Bob. Your show, you interrupt whenever you darn want. <laughs> um, step four in the overall staircase is, okay, so, all right, so you understand nature before nurture. You're understanding what's asked of you. You're going to manage style. Step four is now, now is the time that it's okay to get personal, okay, where you could start to develop the personal relationship with a boss. And a lot of people make the, the mistake of trying this step too early. They figure, okay, I, I'm going to own my relationship with my boss. We're going to be buddies from day one. Right. And they haven't established some of the basic other steps that you have to do first before you've earned the right to get to know your boss more deeply, right? Got it. Step five is, and this one is the most often misstep, having your house in order. And here's what I mean by that. Think about yourself, Bob. You're going to have a hard time building a strong relationship with somebody who works for you if you don't believe that person doesn't have the basics of their job down and doing those basics. Correct. Down. Correct. If, if you can't expect that they're going to show up on time, they know the core of their job and, and they're good at it and they show mastery of that you're going to have a very difficult job moving forward in the relationship without those basics covered. So you really have to make sure your house is in order in certain ways. And then the, the, the final step is the, in many ways, the most thorough and in some ways, the most difficult. This is where you show purposeful support. You support your boss in all the ways they want to be supported. And in the book, Leading from the Middle, I talk in depth about exactly what does good support for your boss look like that, you know, support, all support is not created equal. And you want to make sure you're providing the kind of support that they actually want and value most. So, so those are the overall six steps in managing 
uh, up, the managing up staircases, I call it, and leading from the middle. Let me pause for a second uh, before we dive in on some of the key steps and to see if you had any other questions or comments. Um, no, I, you know, again, as I, as I think about this, and, and I really appreciate the opportunity to sort of digest it here, because um, I am just trying to think in, just in, in my own experience with my bosses, and I've had really good, I've had, I've had the privilege of having relatively good bosses over the years that I've had good relationships with. But what struck me when you were, two things struck me is step four and step five. So getting doing step four too early, I can see where that would be a problem. I can see where um, if you don't have that basic foundation with your boss and then you, you, and you start asking personal, you know, you start delving more personally into who they are and what they're doing and their life and that sort of thing. And, and you offering also personal information to them, it would get, it would, it could, it could get uncomfortable and it could just sort of derail it a little bit. But the step five, your house in order, every boss that I have known and worked with, if, if I didn't have my department running smoothly or focusing on the foundational capabilities of my department, the relationship with the boss was was really uh, not the best that it could be just because he was at risk, right? I mean, he's he's at risk in the organization if, let's say, the pharmacy's failing in something, you know, financially or whatever, and then he's got this relationship with me. It's just hard for him to have a relationship when the organization pressuring him to either do something about the pharmacy director or the pharmacy or the strategy or the vision. So I can see where step five would be critical. Yeah, that's, that's right. It's kind of like nothing else matters, right? If you don't, if you're not delivering, you know, when I say the house is in order, you know, if you're not delivering what's expected of you, if you don't know your business inside and out, you know, if you haven't asked for what you need, if you're not organized for interactions with your boss, and by the way, it includes, if you're not bringing the attitude to the job that you want your boss to reciprocate, all of that adds up like, well, your house isn't in order, so we're not going to progress this relationship. So vital step, a vital step. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a helpful, and for those that buy the book, it's on page uh, 82. And just to review the steps for our listeners before we get more in depth, it's first step one is nurture be nature before nurture. Step two is understand the asks. Step three is style awareness. Step four is get personal. Step five is your house in order. And the last step, step six, is purposeful support. So given those uh, steps, and I know they're all important, but how would you rank them sort of one to six? Yeah, I think um, if I had to pick three steps out, well, you know what, even two steps out is the most important. I'd probably pick steps two and three, Bob. Understanding the asks and, and style awareness is, is the most important. And then step five, the, your house in order, is almost like it's the cost of showing up. If you want to be considered strongly by your boss, you have to have your house in order. And then the, the art and the science of it comes up in step two and step three, if you want me to talk about those a little bit more. Yeah, sure. So, um, so what do you mean by, I, I feel like I'm jumping around a little bit, but I will jump. Uh, what do you mean by style? Oh, yeah, yeah, no no worries. So what I mean by style is, in fact, let's go ahead and dig into that step now. Okay. I mean, All right. so, so when I say style awareness, this is step three. When I say style awareness, this is how the boss likes to get things done, how they like to work, how they like to interact. And in fact, there's core aspects of style that I talk about in the book 
that are important for you to manage. For example, let me give you some examples. When it comes to information receipt and retention, Mm -hmm. we all have a different style. Right. Every boss, some bosses, um, they want you to write them a formal report. Some of them just want you to stop by their office and give a verbal update. Other ones want you to send an email on everything you summarize. The, a, a core part of our job is consuming information and you know and retaining that. And and it's very important that you understand your boss's style. I, you know, I had a boss early in my career, Bob, that you know I was a young manager and I blew it. I never picked up that. Me stopping by to give informal interviews was like poison. Oh. He could not stand it. He oh. thought it was an interruption, and he was a very much a write me what you want to you know put it in a few key bullet points, put it in a well written. Then I've had other managers that they're they're chatty and they're human. They're more uh, you know they like to talk and they can't stand to read emails and reports, and they just want to sit down for thirty minutes, even if it's an inefficient for you. And talk through everything that's on their mind. It's important to understand information receipt and retention. That's that's one key aspect of style. You want you want me to give you a couple other examples? Yes, yes, please. Yeah, conflict is another big one. If you don't know how your boss likes to handle handle conflict and you don't support that, you're going to be in trouble. So, for example, you know, I had a boss once who, boy, they were um, they just wanted to go guns blazing into an argument every time. They wanted your job. You know, my job for that boss was. Give them the data they need to support their argument, help them look good, help them win the argument, help them go be, you know, attack the the issue head on. I've had other bosses that really dreaded conflict. They wanted to get around it. They wanted my role to be to resolve conflicts for them quietly. Off the no, yeah, I've, had, I've had bosses like that. I've had bosses like that. <laughs> That's yeah. right. And, 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 and if you don't understand the role of conflict, their style, of conflict, that's a real missed opportunity to be able to lead them because taking care of conflict for your boss, if that's what they want, is a huge form of influence in leading your boss. No, sure. Absolutely. You know, I think another one, and and, uh, this one is more basic, is just just the formality. And this is a a low-hanging fruit. You know, some people are very, very formal. They want you to come in when you have a one-on-one session. They want you to be buttoned up, have an agenda. Right. Yeah. Don't Mm -hmm. stray from that agenda. Other bosses, that would drive them nuts. They're like, what are you, type A? Can we just talk about what's most on our mind and <laughs> <Yeah>. thoughts around? <laughs> I've had, these, you're bringing up all these experiences I've had from the past. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I, I'll give you one more example of a style. Another a- element, so we've covered information receipt, right, and retention, conflict, formality. One other one I highlight is decision-making. Yep. Every boss wants to make decisions in different ways. Right. As I say in the book, some like to stew and chew. Stew and chew, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Others like to decide quickly. So you have to decide, like, okay, if my boss is, they're a person that wants to decide on the spot. We go into a meeting. They want to make the call. You better have all the information they need to best equip them to make the call. If your boss is not like that, if they're like, okay, I want to hear what you have to say. Then I want to go talk to some other people. Then yeah. I want to reconnect again. And I'm not I'm not advocating for one style of decision making or another, Bob. All I'm saying is you gotta understand what that style is. Yeah. One hundred percent, because it is a major form of influence that you can have. So there's a couple of style elements, but that's what I mean by style. And and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't just it doesn't mean that I'm I'm asking your audience, Bob, to be someone that they're not. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying if you're aware of the C the six key aspects of style. 
and you know where you stand in your style versus theirs, that awareness is only going to help you have a better relationship. Yeah. So, so for me, it, it seems like emotional intelligence factors quite a bit into understanding your boss, right? Like how, how, do, how what you do impacts them and can you tell from there? Because some bosses may not tell you, hey, don't stop in. So do you, do you just ask basic questions? How would you like me to do this? How would you like me to do Or do you just experiment with various situations? I mean, how, what's the best way for one to learn these things about their boss? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, what, what we'll get to when you're ready in step two, where you're understanding the asks and understanding expectations. Okay. There's also conversations that can go in, okay, so how do you like to communicate? What's your expectation for how I will communicate okay. with you? And you can bring up style elements in that aspect. And I, I've, you know, I've done like for what I, what I call style interviews with my bosses before, Bob, where I will go through all the key aspects of, of style. And I'll say, as I'm getting to know my boss up front, Okay, how do you like to receive information? How do you like to make decisions? What's your style of conflict? How formal are you? And then you understand what they expect on each one of those style elements, but you're not going to know unless if you ask, right? And that's part yeah, of what you can do in uh, setting expectations. And, and, and really feeling safe to ask without feeling like you've asked the wrong question. I, I mean, sometimes when I've asked my bosses about things like, for example, how would you like me to address you? It seems very... It seems very uh, minor, minor, but if I'm dealing with a physician who's my boss, I ask them, how would you like me to address you? Is it, you know, privately, I can call you by your first name. Is it publicly, I call you doctor so-and-so. And I had one physician who I reported to who said, you know, nobody's ever asked me that question. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And you can even frame up discussions like that, you know, very simply yeah. with, you know, hey, look, we're about to start a working relationship. I don't, you know... We don't have time for misunderstanding. So I'm going to ask you some basic questions and style awareness to help me help our relationship get to the best place as quickly as possible. Then anything you ask, like, how do you want me to address you? It's all taken in the same context. And it's not going to be taken as, well, that's strange. He's, he or she's asking that. Or, yeah, right? exactly. You're exactly. So step two, then, bouncing back to step two, going down the staircase, the... Um, Understanding the ask seems to be a place where people trip up in terms of, you know, oh, I didn't realize you wanted this report in two days. I, you just told me to get it done. So I'm assuming that with each, as you learn to work with your boss, you're, you're just asking more questions. And then as you learn over time, you understand what the expectations are. Is that, is that sort of the approach? Just ask as many questions initially and then get as much information. And then from there, just understand what they need over the long haul. That's, that's right. And I'll, I'll give your listeners a very specific tool. So in, sure. the, in the book, Leading from the Middle, in this section, I have um, nine very specific questions that you can sit down and ask. And I promise you, if your boss is honest in how they answer those questions, you will be 50 times clearer on what they expect from you after you ask these nine questions than before you started. And for right now, I'm just going to focus on one that's incredibly powerful and, and share a tool that your your listeners can use. And I call it creating the good to great grid. And it's based on the simple question of understanding from your boss, look, what does good performance look like and great, uh, you know, versus great performance? What we find, Bob, is that one of the biggest things that's missed in expectations is bosses can be lazy in articulating what they expect. They can be yes. unclear in articulating what great truly looks like for them. So how do we fill that gap? With assumptions. Assumptions yes. that are often incorrect. And we find ourselves guessing at what we think our boss thinks 
great performance looks like. So create a simple good to great grid. And here's how it works. It's very simple. Sit down with your boss and create a, a simple two column chart, or actually let's say three columns. In the left-hand side, you would put metrics that are very important for your performance in your job. In the next column, you would put the word good. In the next column, you would put the word great. And you would literally sit down and define with your boss the difference between good and great. So, for example, I'm going to make this up. I'm going to bet, Bob, that an important metric for a pharmacy director is uh, a priority setting. Is that is that fair? Oh, given, yeah. oh absolutely. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. given the incredible number of jobs. Like I said, I spent some time in the pharmacy business. Um, sure. So I know priority setting is important. So imagine if you're a pharmacy director, you sit down with your boss and you say, okay, I know priority setting is important. Let's talk about what good priority setting versus great priority setting looks like. And let me give you a very specific example. And this, this really happened when I sat down with one of my teams in my leadership uh, corporate days. We decided, okay, good priority setting is what I call trash compactor management. Trash compactor is a machine that squeezes trash down into small cubes. Think of your work that way. If you could say no to some things and squeeze your cube of work down to make it smaller, that's pretty good because most of us aren't good at even saying no to anything. And what happens, right. our cube of work just gets bigger. So right. we, we decided, yeah, okay, that's good. But great priority setting is not trash compactor management. It's accordion management. Accordion is a musical instrument, right? That you play in and out. You move your hands in and out, constantly in and out. Imagine if you thought of your workload that way. At times, it contracts so that you have a chance to breathe and recuperate and, right, right. Um, and deprioritize. And at times, it expands. Maybe during the heaviest hours when the most patients are in to fill the most prescriptions. Maybe right. when you have a big meeting from a of you know a, a pharmacy chief who's coming into town Correct. you can't just keep pulling the accordion out or you're going to burn everybody out the work is about expanding in and out detracting right. low value adding high value when you need to whether or not your audience agrees with those definitions doesn't matter bob and i frankly i hope they don't agree what's important is they sit down with a discussion with their boss on what does good performance look like and what does great performance look like? And literally put pen to paper to define it. And wow. when you do, that takes out a lack of clarity and forces the boss to be very clear on what great looks like. And it leads to clarity of expectation. That's really, that is really cool. That, that's, that is a very important learning from this podcast because for the listeners out there, Next time you meet with your boss, plan a strategy because this is evaluation time for most of us. The you know end of the academic and fiscal year for both of us. Sit down and you're, for your next review and you're putting together your deliverables for next year and go through this exercise. And now, so so in terms of your book, you uh, 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 you said you have a downloadable. Uh, uh, I guess addition to the book or some sort of uh, yeah. downloadable. But you, do you want to do we want do you want to tell the tell the folks about that? Yeah, yeah, I prepared it for your audience today. If they go to uh, scottmouts.com, it's s c o t t m a u t z dot com forward slash free tools. There's no space in between that. So okay. scottmouts.com forward slash free tools. I have ready to go for them a, a free thirty page companion workbook uh, with there's over eighty questions in there 
that go along with the book leading from the middle. You know, we know, you know, from research, Bob, this won't surprise you, I'm sure, that many people's preferred learning style is to write, to learn, to think, sure. to go back over versus just listening. Yep. You know, so there's lots of fill in the blanks. There's, you know, all kinds of different formats of uh, content in there to help people absorb what they will have just uh, learned about by reading the book, Leading from the Middle. And they can get that for free at scottmouse.com forward slash free tools. Oh, that's great. So what kinds of things are you listening to today uh, if you're not, you know, out there talking about Leading from the Middle? <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I always enjoy um, uh, Pete, my, Pete McTitus' podcast, uh, How to Be Awesome at Your Job. That's, okay. a, uh, that's a great podcast. I listen and read to a lot of uh, Adam Grant's uh, work and Dan oh. Pink's work as well. You're probably not surprised yeah. by that since Dan was kind enough to give me a, a great endorsement for the, for the book. Yeah. And um, I just finished um, reading, once again, the classic Good to Great. Um, oh, wow. Okay. In part, you know, we just talked about the good to great grid that I use as a tool. That's uh, my own derivative uh, inspired by the Jim Collins original great book, um, you know, good to great. So the, those are some of the things I'm, I'm consuming these days. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, so we've got some you know, young leaders out there. And what 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 in the last minute or so, what 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 words of advice would you give them around leadership or sort of leading from the middle or? Just anything you think would be important for their careers. Maybe the first, I'll give you two pieces of advice. Number one, dear young leaders, stop comparing yourself to other leaders. <laughs> the only comparison that matters is to who you were yesterday and whether or not you're becoming a better version of yourselves. I, I would That's say so it so is true. the number one downfall of young managers that start to look around them to assess how they're doing based on how their peers are doing. And it is poison. Resist it. Resist it at all costs. I'm not saying that I'm still capable of doing that every time, but I try to remind myself that the only comparison that matters is to who I was yesterday. And the second thing I would say, relatedly, do not chase approval. Chase authenticity. Be wow. who you feel you were meant to be, Use the skills that you, you, you know, that you were given and, and do what's important to you. Don't chase what other people think you're going to do. Uh, Bronnie Ware is a palliative nurse out of Australia. She wrote a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And the number one regret of the dying is, I wish I had the, the courage to live a life true to myself, what I wanted and my values, and not the life others expected of me. Oh, wow. Don't get caught into that trap as a young leader. That's great advice because it can happen real easily. You get pressures from the outside. You may have financial pressures. You may have pressures from various other parts of your life that force you not, that really put you in situations where you, you aren't authentic. And, and that can be, that can be, it can cause a lot of stress, can cause a lot of anxiety and probably a lot of failure in the job, right? I mean, I'm assuming, you know, people can fail in their jobs as a result of not being authentic because then people your colleagues might feel that they're duplicitous or not true to them you know not fit you know truthful or whatever so that's really really good advice well scott Mons, it's been great talking to you and and i really appreciate you being on the show and everyone again the book is called leading from the middle the author is scott Mons, and i would encourage all of our listeners to purchase the book and to read it because you will be filled with a lot of inspiration and plus a lot of information about 
how to effectively lead in positions that we're all in today. So Scott, have a great day and thanks for being on the show. My pleasure, Bob. Thanks to you and your listeners. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy. And if you found this interview helpful to your own professional development, please do us a favor and share the good news with your colleagues and leave us with a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast each and every week.